0: Hey, Listen, welcome to the Games Gamescast. This is episode 93. My name is Jeffrey Morse. I am joined today by the one and only Rob Douglas. What's up, guys? How's it going? Thank you for choosing to be here today, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great show for you guys today that is going to be uh, revolving around players' choice and uh, choices that you get to make in video games so uh, Rob's going to lead up that discussion um, kind of in honor of uh, Detroit Become Human coming out soon uh, both of us played that uh, demo this week that we'll be talking about uh, towards the end of the show but yeah we thought that would be a really fun segment to do today and then um, I'll also be uh, sharing two Nintendo Switch uh, indie reviews or Nindy reviews if you will um, it'll be a robot named Fight as well as Skyro which are Dreams I uh, really like a lot. They're and they're both similar in some ways and uh, different in other ways. So that'll be a lot of fun. But before we do, we do have some news as always that we'd like to share with you guys. Um, first big news piece is uh, Nintendo news. Nintendo has a new president starting in uh, June, and so you know obviously the Mr. Iwata you know passed away uh, about three years ago now. And uh, he was the president for Nintendo all through the GameCube and Wii and Wii U era. And then yeah. uh, Mr. Uh, Kimishima uh, came in as kind of the interim president for Nintendo. And he was a older businessman and he was very different than Iwata because you know Iwata was very upfront with the fans and he was in all the you know, Nintendo Directs and talking directly to the fans. And uh, Nintendo's current president, who's been the inter- interim, um you know obviously has seen a lot of success with the switch and you know they've made lots of great decisions but he hasn't really like ever like appeared or really talked um to fans and nintendo directs or anything he's more of a kind of a a reserved guy i don't think he speaks english or anything so
1: he tends to send reggie to do all the the talking for him
0: yeah they've they've had reggie and they've actually brought up a lot of new young faces um yeah for like you know Splatoon and other games and stuff so we've been seeing some new faces on nintendo directs and stuff which is which has been fine uh but anyways nintendo's new president his name is shuntaro furukawa and easy for uh, you to say yeah no he's gonna be the president in uh june so they're gonna be transitioning the next uh two months here but i think uh one of the main uh differences here is this new president is only 46 years old and um, you know, that is 22 years younger than the current uh, president of Nintendo. So I think that was one of the reasons why he got picked is, you know, he's a younger leader who can, you know, hopefully lead Nintendo for many, many years. And... Yeah, I'll probably
1: see a couple system generations, which is what you really want to have a president for yes. such a big organization. It's someone who can be a little bit more like the longevity of a, a president rather than I'm here for one system and then I
0: pull an EA and yeah. leave. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the current president was always kind of like an interim, I think, a year ago. They yeah. kind of took away the interim term. Like, they didn't call him that, but apparently they were still looking, you know, at finding someone who would be more of a long-term replacement. Um, and it looks like they finally found him. And his background is really, um, he's been with Nintendo and the Pokemon company, um, working with both of them for the last uh, 15 years or so. And so he has a lot of experience with Nintendo, with the Pokemon, with oh, okay. the Okay, so company. he's from within. Yeah, so he is pretty much from within, um, which is I think good for Nintendo. And he even, you know, states that he is a longtime Nintendo fan. Like he grew up playing the, you know, NES and all those games and he grew up with all those games and he really is kind of said in his first statement, like, Yeah, I'm a big Nintendo fan and I wanna, you know, see good yeah. games and one of the really only things he's kinda said going forward is, Hey, I wanna change the way we're doing mobile and make our mobile games become like a really Big uh, pillar of our um, of our company, which you know, Nintendo has put out a couple apps. You know, seen some varying success, but uh, yeah, he wants apparently Nintendo's mobile presence to be a lot bigger. So that I think that is one, you know, take that a younger um, president is is bringing. But yeah, so I think I think that's exciting. It's good good for Nintendo. Hopefully. You know he is fluent in English, so you know it'd be cool to see him pop up in more Nintendo Directs like Iwata used to do and stuff. I think that would
1: yeah, that would uh, be the co- that'd be the hope, really. Yeah, exactly. Anyway.
0: And so he seems like he is a gamer, one who could connect with fans. He's a younger guy, so um, yeah. So I think I think that's good news for Nintendo. Um, he is going to start in June, right around E3 time. So maybe we'll see him, you know, in their E3 presentation and. Nintendo has also said that E three this year is confirmed to be all about Smash Bros for them. So um, we we're kind of right in that Do <laughs> You think prediction they'll announce anything about. else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely have other games. They they haven't announced anything for fall, and so you know, obviously Smash Bros is coming out this fall. Um, but yeah. other than that, we don't really know anything else for the Switch. You know,
1: think we will get something else, kind of like totally out of the blue, like Arms.
0: Um, I don't know about. I've, I don't know about another new IP right away this year. I guess um, they just
1: came out with uh, Labo, so I, it would make yeah, Labo sense kit for kit them to ride on that one for a little
0: bit longer. Yeah, they'll probably announce another Labo kit. Um,
1: yeah. Whether, whether it's an
0: E3 or somewhere around there. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely going to be another. Something with boxing 100... gloves. Just... <laughs> yeah, boxing glove cardboard boxing gloves. That'd be funny. Um, but no, Nintendo the, <laughs> they announced something cash. else for fall. I, I'm thinking they're going to announce a 2D Mario game. Because um, it's been a while since since they've made one of those and those the 2D Mario games like are always like the top seller on kind of every console they appear on like so it's yeah that's it's true pretty easy money whether it's new Super Mario Bros or you know some some other style I think it'd be sweet to get like a Mario kind of kind of like a new Mario All Stars game um, where it, you know has like tons of new levels based off of you know the original Mario Mario Bros 3 Mario World um, they kind of have a some mix, kinda of like Sonic Mania, I guess, but with like Mario. I think that'd be I think that'd be pretty sweet. But yeah, what do you what do you think Nintendo's gonna announce yeah. at E3 other than you know the Smash Bros announcements?
1: I think you're right. I think we are gonna get another two D Mario game. Um that just seems to be like a pretty good safe bet.
0: Yeah. I mean um, Mario Tennis can't be the only Mario game this year, right? Like
1: <laughs> No, I mean this is Nintendo who is built upon Mario. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think we'll get some sort of virtual console announcement, yeah. whatever that looks like. We're going to get something like, you know, some game is going to virtual console that's been in the backlog or something like that, and there'll be, like, a lot of hype around it. You know, something like classic Mario or...
0: Or even just something like a digital Switch copies of, like, the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic. Like, those have been out. Yeah. People who've wanted them as bottom, like... You know, put a bundle of those 20 Super Nintendo games out for Switch, like that would be Yeah, awesome. exactly. People would eat that up. Um, so yeah, maybe something like that. That'd be like, cool. a, oh, yeah. like an
1: SNES or NES bundle, yeah, like Super like Nintendo, just Great the States. same game straight out of the classic. Maybe they'll come out with a 64 classic,
0: yeah. that That's that's the hope. We're, think, we're thinking that's, that that's the big that announcement. Do. Let's, Let's throw that one out there. I bet E3, Nintendo would get you and Nathan classic. to get the N64 classic if they make it, like to- <laughs> totally. Oh.
1: I would go stand in line. I'd make your mom go stand in line for me. <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar, she she's totally good at, at finding those oh, deals yeah. and getting right in there.
0: She got the NES Classic for us, and like I think she got like some amiibo that was like hard to find with those For us to, but yeah. Anyways, um, let us know what you think about Nintendo's new president um, and what they will be announcing at E3 this year. <laughs> um, so, second news piece here is a story we kind of talked about a couple weeks ago um, with Halo Online. Yeah. Um, which is basically a Halo game that was being made for PC, and it was kind of a remake of the original Halo games, and it got in development, so some other people picked it up and kind of made it this big fan project, and it's playable online with others. And uh, Rob, can you tell us like what the update is now in this story? Yeah,
1: so 343 and Microsoft have both come together, and they kind of had a discussion with the company behind it. I think it's like EID something. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a strange name and I don't remember off the top of my head. That's <laughs> terrible journalism. Um but Three Forty Three and Microsoft both kinda had to look at the properties of Halo 3 and that sort of thing, and Microsoft basically said, Hey, it's still under
0: IP and so yeah. you can't do this. So, so like what where where does that leave? Because like the game's still technically playable right now. Like the game hasn't been taken down necessarily, but yeah. like does this mean so like, they're it's, not going to just update it anymore and just kind of let it die off? or like That's kind of where it's standing right now is
1: that for the foreseeable future, there's going to be no updates. There'll be no content, mods, updates, or anything like that. But if I had to make any kind of bet, I would say that once EID and uh, Microsoft and 343 uh, get together, it mm-hmm. will be, uh, hey, you got to take this down.
0: Yeah, um, so it, it's probably going to last too much longer.
1: <laughs> I think also partially because there is... Uh, 343 actually put out that they're talking about putting a Halo like remastered package or something like that on PC. Yeah, um, it was an update from one of the stories I saw on Polygon. So I think we might actually get Halo... Maybe Halo 1, 2, and 3 pulled together onto, it, yeah. onto the computer so...
0: Yeah, if you're uh, a Master Chief collection over even that they put on Xbox One and, you know, make that work on PC, I think that'd be super cool. There'd be a huge audience for that. And, you know, we've seen stuff like this happen before. Like, there was a big fan made project of, uh, it was like a remake of Super Metroid uh, 2, or like Metroid 2, I guess, the Game Boy game. And Nintendo kind of, you know, infamously, like, shut it down and it was getting all the support and the game was pretty much done. And, you know, they wiped its existence off the face of the internet and you know legal action all this stuff like that and everyone's like oh nintendo like why are you doing that like why do you hate metroid like you're so mean and then you know at e3 that next year they announced famous returns a remake of metroid 2 and you know they did an official you know nintendo version of it that you know was super well received and stuff so it could just yeah. be them protecting their ip and just saying we don't want you using our name or it could totally be like you said rob like yeah we're shutting this down because we're making it officially and like we're you know, we're going to, we're going to do this legit. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird add. balance. It's a
1: weird balance with fan remakes and stuff like that. Cause you, you gotta, there's gotta be a little bit of a, we might want to do this in our future as well as IP and, you know, uh, legality of certain things. And where do you draw that line? And often if you're pulling it straight off of the franchise and basically saying, Hey, this is Halo free online. Mm-hmm. You're you're not really being subtle about your copying. Yeah.
0: And just, you know, if you're using an IP that doesn't belong to you, like, potentially you could be, you know, damaging that brand or that IP, you know, like, let's say someone does log into Halo Online and, you know, they can't connect to the server or, or like, they just get destroyed by everyone. Like, that person's going to be turned off from any Halo game, like, from then on, you know, and they're not going to want to play, like, oh, I tried Halo yeah. once and it wasn't good when it wasn't really a Halo game, so... It just kinda... And 343
1: did say that they they were willing to partner up with this EID. Oh, cool. And like, actually like, that's use awesome. them. But they kind of made it sound like, hey, we really want to use you guys, and we want to have you and the team, as well as all of the mods and creators. So it's more like, just
0: like, we're trying to say something so people don't get mad at us. <laughs> so, exactly. It, it well, felt a little, yeah. put out
1: some fires. But, well, you know,
0: well, that, that's what Sega did with Sonic Mania. They hired, you know, a... Sonic, you know, fan-created game. This, this guy did this yeah. really cool Sonic fan content and made his own little Sonic games and said, hey, we're going to hire you and you're going to make Sonic games for us and port our old games and make a new one with Sonic Mania and stuff, and that worked out really well. So, you know, it could always happen. We'll just have to, I guess, stay tuned and we'll let you know if any other developments come up in this in this uh, story. Yep. So, two new trailers for two of the biggest AAA games coming out this fall. Um, have dropped this week. There is a new Shadow of the Tomb Raider trailer, as well as a brand new Red Dead Redemption Two trailer. And this Red Dead trailer is exciting, particularly because this is really like the first real gameplay we've seen of yeah. Red Dead Two. And I mean, I guess it's not really gameplay; it's more cutscenes. But like, we're finally seeing like characters and there's dialogue. And we're getting a sense of what the plot is going to be and what the story is going to involve.
1: It's less crazy montage and more like story development. We got to actually see some characters that, you know, where, where they, where they stand in the world, what they're trying to accomplish. We got a lot more about the story as well as we got a little cameo.
0: Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. Marston, I'm pretty sure was in there. Like, it looked looked pretty much like him, so I'm pretty sure
1: same facial know. scars, same kind of grizzled look, a little bit younger, obviously, because this yeah. takes place as a yeah. prequel before but, Red Dead Redemption. That's why even mentioning. though it's like, Red he, Dead Redemption, yeah, he, his model does too. look a little
0: different because he, you know, this is younger. It is a prequel to the the last Red Dead yeah. game where you played as John Marston. So he didn't say anything, but I'm hoping that they got the same voice actor back because he did such an amazing job and yeah. that uh you know it looked like from the footage in the trailer he like has fresh freshly cut and like it's all stitched up with scars on his face so like you know it, it we'll I think dive into that background and show how he got his things maybe how he fell out with his original gang and you know there could be some really cool narrative stuff there for sure yeah
1: we also got to see uh, a glimpse of Abigail who yeah if you're if you're familiar with the the Red Dead Redemption Story. I feel like this is it's been significant enough time to say this yeah. is not a spoiler. <laughs> you know, uh, John Marston ends up marrying her. They have a kid, and and this relationship is part of the reason why he leaves the gang. <laughs> so we have you know we have a little bit of background now. It looks like we might actually explore some of that story, and John Marston's might get you know a, a chunk of the story. Yeah. But really, the main chunk of the story is about a guy that we haven't seen before. Not sure who he is in comparison to Red Dead Redemption 1. And since he doesn't appear in Red Dead Redemption 1, we can guess some spoilers that he probably some either is killed off or some way is sent off somewhere else where he can't be a part of the story. Something,
0: yeah. Well, so. I think it is cool. Like It's smart how they're doing this because you know, Red Dead Redemption like totally felt like a, hey, you know, we're just dropping you in the middle of like a story with these characters who have these huge backstories and you know have had these lives and it's kinda of yeah. slowly, you know, curls back the pages and gives you glimpses of what that life looked like. But like we're finally going back and we're going to be able to live through those moments and flesh it out and it seemed like a a, a really smart prequel, you know, um in a way that, you know, they wanted to make another game and they this is a really you know, smart way of going around and doing it. So, um, yeah, I agree. Hopefully the hopefully story story-wise is good. You know, people don't play Grand Theft Auto V for the story, you know, they play it for everything else you can do in that game, but that's true. You know, if this game is as fun to play and has as much to do as it you know, a Grand Theft Auto, like Rockstar is known for, um, but it also has this really, really cool story that blows people away. I think, you know, it's definitely going to be, you know, one of those games up for a uh, game of the year this year. So.
1: Yeah, pretty. Exciting. I think they have a good balanced Red Redemption one, so I'm I'm hopeful for this one.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is. And the other game,
1: uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I mean, there's not much else to say about that one. She runs around, looks like yeah, she gets hurt a couple dark. of times.
0: <laughs> yeah, stabs people in the dark. This is not the innocent. She's like full like cold-blooded assassin now, just like running around, just like ruthlessly murdering people. Like I remember the very first you know Tomb Raider, you know reboot game they did, you know what was it like eight years ago or whatever yeah. she uh the first time you actually kill someone it's like self-defense and she's like horrified and it's like this moment like oh my gosh like i have killed another person and it's just really cool like story b and she has to like deal with that throughout the game but now it's just like <laughs> i'm so far beyond that i am used to you know wiping out armies and <laughs> you know surviving and stuff So like we're
1: at we're at nathan drake levels of murder yeah full here. on like <laughs> exactly like like one hundreds and hundreds of waves of enemies come at him and he kills them all <laughs> Laura, Laura. And also it looks it's like there's going to be some pretty, pretty crazy, uh, apocalyptic, like, uh, Mayan Aztec type. I'm not sure which one I think it's Mayan. Yeah. It's like it looks like it might deal with Mayan like kind people, of the, so. the like apocalypse going on here. So we'll see. Looks dark. Yeah, definitely keeping like keeping the same yeah,
0: tone as the last one. It's very, very dark. Looks like it's gonna have some type of mystical or magic, you know, elements to the story. Yeah. Um but yeah, that, that game should should be pretty solid as well. I'm I'm hopeful and I still need to beat uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, so I need to Yeah, I was gonna that. say <laughs> I need
1: to, I need to get that one and play through that one as well.
0: Yeah. So I'm ready um, for this. So, last news story we have for you guys today is, um, obviously, God of War. We have talked about, you know, uh, last week and, you know, how amazing that game is. And it's, you know, been such a great experience for, you know, everyone who has a PlayStation 4. Um, but apparently, it came out this week that there are five sequels uh, planned for God of War. Like, how is this? <laughs> oh, no, how is this even possible at this point, Rob? Because this is pretty much a reboot. How are they already like planet season planned for five more games?
1: You know, and the way the wording on this was kind of like at least five, you know, so there there's at least five ideas out there that they feel that they could fully flush out into a full game mm-hmm. involving Kratos and more than likely his son, but you know, it's just like this is this feels like the Fast and Furious
0: <laughs> yeah. take. Or like things. Marvel like movies you got so they like announcing like, movies through the next six years. Like. Yeah,
1: like we got something so good that we might as well capitalize on it and get all the money we can out of it, bleed people dry and make them totally hate Kratos
0: again. Well and that was the problem with the original and of then War games. Like they you know, there was God of War One, two and three, but there was also like four or five other games that were like spinoffs yeah. and prequels and like, they totally, kinda, you know, milked it too much, and that IP had a lot of damage, and they had to wait a while and, you know, do this big reboot for the new one, and it worked. So, you think, but...
1: you think that pattern's going to happen again? We're going to get five new games, maybe
0: a couple mobile games, and then, you know, a card game, <laughs> of course. Mobile, mobile games. Yeah, no, I I hope not. I mean, I hope this is just, we have, I hope this is more like we have five different ideas of things we could do with the sequel, not like we're starting development on five different games or like something like that. So yeah, yeah. hopefully it's, they're not looking too far ahead of themselves. I haven't beaten God of War yet. So like, I don't know how that game ends and how, you know, what my idea for a sequel would be like story wise, but you know, I mean, it makes sense with how, yeah. how well it's been received, how well it's sold, I'm sure. And everything like to do a sequel, but yeah, five sequels planned. Uh, I don't, I don't know about that. There's definitely a lot to pull from with Norse mythology and stuff, or maybe they're, going to go into some other world, you know, we have Greek, we've done Norse, maybe they're going to jump into something else. So, I don't know. It'll, like Egyptian or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I That's mean, there's, cool. pre- there's
1: plenty of uh pantheons of gods and mythology to dive yeah, into and to yeah. explore and but I mean, still, it, five five seems like quite a bit. Although, yeah. I mean, like we mentioned before, you know, kind of the Marvel treatment, and, you know, having five movies in a Marvel series planned out is like oh yeah that makes total sense but having five games planned out seems ridiculous to us so maybe well, we're just being
0: stuck <laughs> well, I, in the mud I hope they do more with, with you know Atreus his son like if they yeah if they uh you know develop him and he becomes a you know the main protagonist of the future God of War games or you know he has his own spin-off games i think that would be interesting so maybe that would maybe, be yeah, interesting. maybe that's what they're thinking i think that'd be cool hopefully so. Yeah. All right. So that is our news segment. We're going to jump into our Nindy reviews. Um, first up, um, I'm going to be reviewing A Robot Named Fight. And uh, both these games we uh, got review codes <laughs> for. So um, thank you to the um, developers and the publishers of these games for providing those for us. And um, it was really a lot of fun for me to review these two games. Like, I, I'm just going to say from the beginning, like, these games were yeah. both a lot of fun. And I went back and forth. Like, and I'm still not sure which one I like more. Like, at first, I liked A Robot Named Fight more. Then I like Sky Rogue, and I've kind of gone back and forth. But um, A Robot Named Fight is really cool because if you look at a screenshot of this game, you'll have to, like, blink and rub your eyes because you'll mistake it for Super Metroid. Like, this is a full-on 16-bit, heavily inspired, like, Super Metroid uh, roguelike game. And so if you like, like, Super Metroid at all, like, this game is going to be right up your alley because um, you literally, like, start off, you just do, like, you know, start a run, and you're just this little robot dude who's, like, crash-landed. There's, like, you know, another robot who's there, and he kind of talks to you through a quick tutorial, and you just go, and you just start going off to the right or up. And the neat thing is, every single time you play, the world is completely different. And so it's all procedurally That's generated. crazy to me. It's all a roguelike. And so, you know, the first time I did it, I had to go way off to the right, and then, you know, just like Metroid, you there's little enemies uh, between the platforming and stuff. You shoot a door, you run through it then once you go through that door it's like okay now do I want to go up or do I want to go down you kind of choose where you go you're slowly unlocking the map as you explore and the neat thing is is you know my first run I found this door that had like this electric barrier I'm like oh that's weird you know my bullets just bounced off of it and then five minutes later I found you know this little secret room and it gave me the charge shot and I could charge my bullets and it also did did electric damage like oh okay now i get it just like super metroid you know i acquired the power up. now i got to go back and i can't go through that door so i was able to go through that door and you know every time you play the game there'll be different power ups that you find that activate different doors and find different routes and you know you do a little bit of backtracking throughout the map as you play and stuff but um yeah it's that's crazy that it it works surprisingly well yeah, it works surprisingly well for being procedurally generated. Like,
1: well, especially for a platformer game, because often you see procedurally generated worlds, like the three D, like open space worlds, where you can just kind of explore and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like procedurally generated means the trees in a different spot this time around.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: but having a platformer game that actually functions and works properly, being procedurally generated, is mm-hmm. pretty crazy. So that kudos to them for figuring that yeah. out and getting that programming down.
0: Yeah, and. You know, you say them, but like this game was made by one dude, like Matt Bitner awesome. is his name, or Bitner, and uh, he was the you know sole you know guy who made this game. He, it was a project he did on his own, and um, it's been on Steam for a while, and it's you know gotten super positive reviews on Steam. It's like ninety one percent positive or something. So um, it's really awesome. cool to have this game out on Switch. This is the first console um, that's been released for, and you know it makes sense. You know, it's a, definitely inspired by super metroid so you know have it on in yeah. the system makes sense and you know there are there are some there are a lot of different roguelikes on the switch right now and there are some good metroidvanias but i think this like really is like Metroid. like this isn't like a metroidvania this is pretty much just like a metroid game <laughs> um that's awesome yeah it it is a, a little bit um uh gorier i guess in a way like enemy types are more like the gross out type enemies almost so like you'll find a lot of like like crazy mouth enemies like these big glob of flesh that has like 10 mouths on it and stuff like that so it is the enemy design is definitely a little bit different it's not as inspired and interesting and unique yeah. as metroid for sure um and it was a little shocking at first but you get used to it pretty quickly and you know mm-hmm. there's little blood spurts that go on the walls and stuff like that when you kill enemies but uh but yeah overall i think you know it it's a pretty solid game. It's every run is totally different. My first like three hours with this game, my runs would usually last around 10 minutes. I'd always die by like falling into spikes. Like the spikes do so much damage. Like if there's a spike in a room, (laughs) but uh, no, the, my last run that I did, I actually finished it um, earlier today. It was over like an hour and 20 minutes long. And I had finally reached kind of like the final like boss. It's this crazy, like giant alien thing that like fills up like more than the entire screen and I got it a little past halfway, but I actually ended up dying, and I lost my run, which is really kind of a bummer, but I didn't really feel that bummed out because I had upgraded my character so much, and it's really fun to yeah. like find and explore and get upgrades. You know, I'd, I'd gotten three or four damage boosts, three or four, like, rate of fire boosts. My bullets were doing explosive, fire, electricity, and scatter shots. Um, so, like, all those things stack. Anytime you find something, you don't really need to choose, like, do you want to do fire or electricity? Like, it just they all get thrown into your, um, your abilities, which is really cool. So um, really smart design. There's even that kind of like a morph ball type, uh, you know, transformation power up you can find where you transform into a little robot dude who can squeeze through gaps, but yeah, everyone's there's, there's achievements and, um, you know, rogue roguelike means, you know, every time we start the game, you pretty much start, you know, it's like a new file and it's totally different. The game world's different and you lose all your abilities, but, um, one thing I did appreciate is every time you beat, like, a boss or, you know, you gain different, like, achievements by, you know, collecting a certain amount of things or seeing exploring a certain part of the world map, um, you get to basically unlock items that will appear in future playthroughs. So there is a little yeah. bit of long-term progression. So, like, you know, once I defeated this, I think it was called, like, the, the Mole... The mole man or there's this weird like mole enemy like boss fight that i did and after i defeated him it said oh now you can unlock homing beams and so like in next time i play the game i there's a chance i could find this new homing beam weapon so there are there are new things to find and discover and every time is different which is cool and if you do really like a run it gives you like a old school like 20 digit passcode that you can like retype in if you want and it'll like regenerate that same world which is kind of cool um, oh, I, yeah. I kind of wish it was like saved like if you really liked that world that you were exploring in that world, and you wanted to like, give it another shot you could just like oh save this world or oh replay that world but every time you restart it's different unless you like screenshot it and like retype it in which is kind of annoying but <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's the point of the game you know the point is to, to start it over again
1: but... yeah exactly but, so you would highly recommend this game
0: yeah if you if you like Metroid uh, definitely check this game out if you like roguelikes like you know like Binding of Isaac or something like that Um, it's totally got that addicting gameplay loop where you're totally leveling up and powering up. And once you die, you're like, Oh, you know, I'm not that bummed. And next time you play, it's a totally fresh experience. Um, yeah, yeah, overall, you know, it's called a robot named fight and it is a different, uh, game every time you play it. And so the level design suffers a little bit, but it's really fun to explore and find upgrades. And if you're a fan of super Metroid, you need to try this, um, really neat, you know, roguelike game that was it was inspired by. So, Yeah. A awesome. Robot Named Fight. I believe it is uh, 15, $15 on the eShop. It's a downloadable game. So, yeah. Okay. Be sure to uh, check that out if you like Metroid or roguelike games. Um, now, our next game, Sky Rogue, as you may be able to tell from the title, is also a roguelike game. And I actually didn't realize this originally like when I first watched um, you know, the original trailer and stuff. Uh, but Sky Rogue is also made by a very small team. I think it's a team of two or three guys. And it is 3D based and it's basically a uh, kind of a mix between an arcade air combat type game like Star Fox um, and like a full on like flight sim. Um, And so like at first it looks very, very simple and there's like not a lot to it. But the more I played this game, the more I realized like the flight mechanics are actually super deep. Like you can uh, scale the controls uh, to the way you want to play it. And so if you have arcade mode on, as you're flying these airplanes, you know, and it's uh very simple kind of 3D, um, you know, polygon uh, art style. Like it's not super detailed graphics or anything like it. I yeah. compare it to like kind of grow, grow home or grow up. If you remember, remember that indie game that we talked about, you know, oh, a yeah. two ago. Yeah. So it's it's kind of that ourselves, very bright and colorful, with basic polygonal shapes around everywhere. And, uh, If you have the game set to arcade mode controls, it controls pretty much like you would expect something like Star Fox or like Rogue Squadron or something where it pretty much always keeps your plane level to the ground and you're just steering left or right or up and down um, like that. But if you turn arcade controls off, you just pause it, you know, know, change it right there by pushing A in the menu, Um, you have full, you know, 360 control of your plane. So you can fly inverted you can you know go any which direction that you want you can go any high or low altitude um and it's definitely a lot more challenging to control that way but it's so much more rewarding and like i totally recommend playing this game with you know arcade controls off because it does take a while to get used to but it is um a A little bit more a little bit more like flight simulator exactly yeah and the mechanics are like surprisingly deep to it like once you realize that, um the really cool thing about the game is is it is a roguelike, which I didn't understand at first, but the way it works is you start out just as day one, and you basically pick your ship, you pick your starting, like, missiles and weapons that you want. There's, I think, four four different main weapon slots, and then there's kind of, like, a side weapon, a slot that can shoot like, a flare, or, like, give you a boost or other abilities like that. And basically, you choose what four you want, and you have to basically uh, spec it to your certain certain ship's ability. And so, like, certain guns will be able to use a lot of, you know, missiles, but not very many bombs. And other ones will be able to use a lot of bombs, but not a lot of missiles. And so depending on what ship you pick, you're going to have a different loadout. Um, and so yeah. you start with the loadout, you play a mission, it auto-generates the world map and the enemies and everything. And then your mission usually is to destroy, you know, a certain amount of ships or certain buildings on the land. And so basically once you defeat those enemies your mission's done, you have to fly back to like, you have a shield helicarrier that you land on and the mission's over and you move on to the next day. But the neat thing is, is if you finish your mission and you still have like full health, you can totally just be like, oh, I want to go wreck some more people and get more money so I can buy more upgrades. And so, yeah. you know, you, time you finish your mission, you'll probably have $300. But if you go and take out a couple of other buildings so those more ships, like you could end the mission with $1,500. Um, and so it really lets you kind of choose the way you want to play and you can risk staying out longer um, and most of my runs usually end that way like I should have got back to the ship and landed move on to the next day and just get the upgrades that I could afford but I want to go ah, I'm going to go blow up this building or oh there's just a ship right over there that looks really fun to destroy or oh I just want to you know take out these two guys who are, want to dogfight with with me in the air and then I end up you know getting shot down and my run is over and so um, it is kind of a really cool yeah. gameplay loop. and every day you know you have different randomized missions And then uh, the world settings change every couple levels as well, so you do see some progression. Uh, But, yeah, it's really cool because the money, you just upgrade your different missiles and your ship armor and speed, and when you die, you just restart. You you can pick a new loadout and a new ship, and every run feels very different because there's so many different loadouts and ships to unlock, which is really cool.
1: I wouldn't think, like, an airplane-type fighter ship game would be – make a good roguelike game yeah but I, it I sounds think like so this would first. actually be interesting
0: <laughs> yeah but my first time booting the game actually up it like froze and I, like the game like crashed on me like 10 minutes into the game and like the first level i played i wasn't super impressed with it because i was playing on arcade controls i'm like oh man i don't know about this game but like i sat down with it the next day and I played for like an hour and a half straight i'm <laughs> just like where did the time go this game is <laughs> so much fun um so yeah, yeah no i i really like it. i really recommend it. it the cool thing is is like I said, um, the upgrades you buy with your money that you gain based on how many enemies you defeat, and how many buildings you destroy, and the level. But you also gain a separate currency based on how many like buildings and things you destroy, and so when your run ends, you're leveling up your profile, and you know you start level yeah. one and you go up, and every time you level up, you can research new weapons, new airplanes, new upgrades and then the on your next run you can buy those upgrades or those ships and use those um in your run which is really cool so you you do have that, that long-term cool. progression is you know crap i died you know oh dang it i i almost made it through but oh sweet and now i get to unlock the um this new medium bomber that ha- can carry way more weapons sweet and you just push A, and boom, you're right back there in the main menu, and you're like five seconds away from starting the next level. And you're just like, all right, well, I know my run just ended, but I'm going to try out that new ship, and you know, here we go. And you, you just go again, and it keeps that gameplay loop. It's very addicting to just yeah. keep on going another run, another run, and, you know.
1: Like one more, one when you, more. When run it's like ends, Netflix.
0: You, yeah, exactly. You don't feel sad because you died and he runs over. You're like, oh, sweet. I get to unlock, choose what I want to unlock. You get the choice. And then you can immediately play as that thing you just chose to unlock um, in the next run. So that's there's cool. a lot of customization. There's over I've unlocked over like twenty five weapons and like you know, that's not even all of them. There's so many left that I haven't even gotten. So there, it is really, really deep. It it doesn't look like that, you know, from just looking at the game at the beginning, but it is it is really deep. And I will say my favorite hidden feature of this game is that it has co op. So you can play split screen co op with someone else. And I played with my friend Chris for like an hour and a half this weekend. And he, you know, would pick a different ship than me. We'd both pick very different weapon loadouts. So he would focus more on like anti air stuff or taking out dogfights. And I would just be like a heavy bomber and I would just like nuke all the buildings so we could get money. And then we'd buy upgrades. And if one person died, the other person, as long as they landed, you would be okay. Like, so you kind of get a mulligan, which is really oh, nice yeah. too. And so it was, yeah, it was a super, super fun. Um, co-op game um, that I could just see myself wasting so much time on if <laughs> if I had like a roommate who you know loved playing video games or something like that but yeah that makes sense but yeah so it's, you'd recommend it's this gonna, game i d- I recommend this game as well like i said it's it's hard for me to choose one of these games over the other um, I would say skyro probably gets the edge because of the co-op mode um a robot named fight also has a co-op mode but it's kind of dinky pretty much. The other person just kind of controls this little, like, drone that flies around and shoots things, and you share health in that mode. Very Sonic and Tails. Yeah, and it's – you share health, though. So, like, you know, Tails, you know, you probably can suck and die and sacrifice himself. It doesn't matter. But if you have someone who's an idiot or inexperienced on the drone and, you know, they keep getting hit, like, you'll die and your run will be over and you both die together. So I really liked how Sky Rogue, you know, if one person gets shot down, the other person's like, crap, i got to make it back to the jet and land, you know, end the day before – you know, we die so we can respawn both ships together. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, definitely cool. recommend Sky Rogue. Surprisingly deep flight mechanics. Interesting upgrade pass. Really fun co-op play. And the, the gameplay is just really satisfying, so it makes it a really, you know, excellent air combat game. And uh, if you don't like the combat part two, you can do free fly mode. You can just relax and, like, fly through the island and, you know, just, just have fun, <laughs> you know, flying in, in free mode too, which is free flight. So that's cool. And how much is that one? Uh Sky Oak, I think it's twelve twelve bucks on the eShop it's yeah, just under okay. fifteen dollars, so both these games are you know really budget priced I think they're totally totally fair pricing, especially since these are games like you could literally play forever because every time you play it it will be different so so that's it, cool. you're definitely getting your money's worth with these two games um which is which is really cool, so definitely check these two games out um if you're looking for a game on your switch that you can sink a lot of time into because you know these games are so replayable and they're made to be that way so Yeah, that is A Robot Named Fight and Sky Rogue. They're out now on the Nintendo Switch. So check it out. All right, we are jumping into segment three. We're going to be talking all about choices you make in games. So Rob, you've been uh, doing a little bit of research here, and you've kind of put some uh, discussion questions up for us to talk about. So um, I'll let you go ahead and kind of start here, but like, What do you think of, like, when it comes to video game choices and stuff? Like, when you hear a video game is going to be based off of the choices you make as a player, like, what is, like, kind of your hope?
1: You know, I really want something that's meaningful to the story. Yeah. I think, you know, like, I think that's probably my biggest complaint is the the meaningless choices in a lot of games where you just feel like I made this decision and it felt really weighty and I stressed over it for so long and nothing came of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, like, so, like, I guess when I think of game choices, I think of how a lot of games either, they put a lot of choices in there, like, you know, save this person or don't save this person, or they have the infamous Bioware
0: good-evil morality yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty black and white. Yeah, like, that's what I think of, like, with the infamous games, is, you know, choose your path, are you a hero or a villain, and it's like, well no matter what I do, it's pretty much the same ending and I just, you know, slightly altering a few things and it's not really that big of a choice or that big of a difference. If I choose the other way, it's not a totally different game. Yeah. Games definitely overpromise this so much. So like, I feel like gamers are totally like burnt in a way. So like a game goes, Oh, like player choice and, you know, like choose your own adventure and stuff because you, it seemed like video games are the perfect avenue for, you know, that, that, you know, type of thing, like movies and books, like it's, harder to do that kind of stuff but um yeah i don't know just so many games promise choice but really just lead everyone down the same path um they just you know there's slightly different trees along the way so (laughs) yeah and i I actually saw a
1: quote i saw a quote earlier it was called the greatest movies are able to teach their audience something about their creators but the greatest games are able to teach their players something about themselves
0: Ooh, that's
1: deep i think i think that's (laughs) I think that's super philosophical, but I think that's kind of the point of game choice is that we're learning a little bit about how would I make this decision? What would I decide in this situation? And we want that to actually have gravity.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's actually a really good point. Like, when I think about it, like, most games where they are centered around making choices, like, you know, like a Telltale game or, you know, Mass Effect or something, um, I typically do play, like, how I would react in real life. Like there are times where, you know, I might deviate a little bit and go, like, oh, I'm going to do something crazy that I you know, normally wouldn't do in real life. You know, cause it's a video game. You can do crazy stuff you wouldn't do in your real life. But, um, That's true. for the most part, I'm using my own like moral compass and learning about, okay, what would I do in this situation? If I had to kill, you know, one of these two characters in the zombie apocalypse, you know, what, what would I do? Would I go you know this route or this route? And, you do kind of learn a little bit, I think, more about yourself when you really think about it, which is pretty cool. But I think a lot of gamers kind of dis- disassociate that, and they say, oh, yeah, know, I'm just playing to do oh, to be a jerk or to, to be the good guy. But um, deep down, I think people pick kind of where they would go in real life. So,
1: Well, and I think that's also a really good point, is there are games where it's kind of like the good guy versus bad guy, and often we play those games a little bit more like, this is what I want to do this time around. I want to be really good. And then, oh, this time around, I want to punch people in the face and be a mm-hmm. renegade shepherd. Um, but um, kind of along that lines, I was just kind of thinking of some different kinds of choices that we make in games. And this isn't an all-inclusive list, but these are just some ideas I thought of and some things mm-hmm. that we can just kind of talk about and just kind of help people see, like, there's just some decisions that you might have made in a game. So probably the most famous one like we were saying is the morality black and white like one choice or the other yeah um and it's not limited like, to do you want just... to be a
0: jerk or do you want to be the nice guy <laughs> like...
1: yeah exactly it's not just limited to those type of like the the long progressions like knights of the old republic or uh mass effect where one decision you make here might make you a little bit more evil but one decision over here might make that might you know fix that
0: yeah well, I even think back to like the original Fable game, like that was very much like you can run around the town in your underwear, stealing and shooting people, and you're going to start growing devil horns, or you can be very nice and help people with favors and quests, and never harm civilians, and you'll grow an angel around your, you know, a, a, a halo, a halo above your head and stuff. Yeah, so,
1: very black. When and I also, white. think think like like uh, Bioshock. The first Bioshock had a very black and white morality system Mm -hmm. or decision making where you either got to choose to save the little sisters like or harvest them essentially Mm -hmm. so you could save them or kill them essentially yeah and that was the morality system Hmm. and you got a different ending based off of what you chose to do it was very like ramrods you into one type of situation or another
0: yeah, you have this option and this um, one. But what is kind of like one of, you know, your favorite kind of like choices in games? Like, what what would you call that?
1: Um, so one of my favorites, I think, is I like the um, the lose lose situations. Maybe that's a little bit of a, a depressing answer. Yeah. But like, I don't know why, but there is something that is kind of exciting about the fact that like, if I choose this, if I make this decision this character dies, but if I make this decision, this character dies. Like, no matter what you choose, <laughs> you will lose. Or, like, the situations, I think of one of the games that I Kenny just recently played. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time and time will remember that. The worst, most intimidating words you will ever see. Um, I think of, like, even the game I just played, Banner Saga, where one decision, you'll lose a whole bunch of your party members, but the other decision, you'll lose a whole bunch of food. Mm-hmm. And you need both to survive, and so it's, you You actually have to weigh, like, what's the lesser of the two evils, yeah. essentially? <laughs> like, I like that. I think that's really good gameplay design, because it makes it seem like yeah. your choices actually do carry weight.
0: It's actually pretty memorable, too, because you, you yeah, like you said, it, it carries weight, and you kind of remember that moment of, okay, this is where, where it happened, or this is where how, where I stuck my mm-hmm. flag in the ground. Like, I feel like a lot of times that'll happen with me with the Telltale games, I'll you know, support one character over another or something. And then at that point, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep supporting this character. Like, uh, this person likes me. The other people don't. Like, I'm just going to keep making this person like me. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, it was kind of a lose-lose. But, you know, at this point, I'm going to keep going with it. And even a game like Pikmin where, you know, I'm like, oh, like I can totally try to encounter this big boss enemy. But, like, I know I'm going to probably lose. Like, all of my red pikmin and it's gonna be super depressing and sad and i've like spent so much time you know gathering all these pikmin but at the same time i really need to defeat this boss so i can get you know the part over there behind it so is it worth it right now or should i wait and do it later and kind of you know weighing that decision like either way you're gonna feel kind of you know bad about what happens but yeah you got to make a choice
1: which I think it's good gameplay. I think having the decisions where just we feel, generally, yeah, like we we feel like we're we have to make a decision, and no matter what we decide, is going to be, you know, we're put in that impossible situation, and we have to make a decision. You know, that's the best, and
0: it just feels it's a good decision, you know, making. Yeah, I um, think I think probably the worst are. Worst, I guess by worst, I mean best. (laughs) The best (laughs) lose-lose situation I can think of, which, you know, uh, spoilers here if you've not played The Walking Dead Season 1 by Telltale. So if you haven't played that game, you want to play, you don't want to know what the ending is, like, stop listening now. Fast forward 30 seconds. Um, But the ending of The Walking Dead Season 1 where... You, the main character, Lee, like, you are dying. You've been you know bitten by a zombie. You know you're going to die, and you're sending Clementine on in her way. And you have to choose, like, do I go, okay, you know, she's a kid. You know, I don't want her to see this. I don't want her to have to kill me or anything. Just send her off and get out of here before anything bad happens. Yeah. Say goodbye. Or do I say, say my goodbye, hand her the gun, and say, pop me in the head. This is the world you're going to have to live in. You're going to have to do this from now on. Like, harsh world, but do it and so that decision that you had to make right there like i sat on that menu for like 30 minutes just going i don't know what to do <laughs> it was just i know was that was a one really hard me. situation yeah i i
1: remember making that decision and then just like almost like regretting it instantly yeah. what i just chose, you know but i think that makes it really fun mm-hmm. and one of the other sure. big game just dis- yeah, one of the other big game choice styles that I think is really, you know, kind of inspired this whole topic is Detroit Becoming Human, human has the multiple endings choice. Like, mm-hmm. decisions you make throughout the game or throughout this level or throughout this period will ultimately give you a different ending to the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's think, always a really cool approach, but it's. I think the tough thing is it's just so hard to do right like it's if you make that many different endings like there's going to be some that are going to leave people like feeling really dissatisfied or like it wasn't anything yeah. that they hoped for and like it you're you could totally finish the game and not get you know the best ending or the ending that you hoped for and it could make you feel really upset at the end of the game so i think that's why it's so tough to do that mm-hmm. and yeah i mean i don't know is there been a game that has had multiple endings that you've like really thought like no matter what ending you got like it was always really interesting and cool like that's what i'm curious Um,
1: well you know uh obviously this detroit become human is a really good example of just the demo that came out this last week and i Mm -hmm. both of us have played it and we'll talk to us a little bit more about that in our segment on what we're playing but i feel like that did that's balanced it really well and i hope the whole game is like that but it felt like every decision I make actually changed stuff. It actually did things yeah. that made it felt like there was a lot of weight to it. I think another one, I have not personally played this game yet, but I do know that uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 has that same style. Like, no matter what you mm-hmm. do, no matter what decision you make, there there's multiple endings to the games, and you have to play through it multiple times to get all the endings.
0: Yeah. So Yeah. No, it's it's definitely, definitely tough. Detroit, I really like that every little decision you made during your investigation of the demo, like, um, yeah, it would have like a probability meter, like a chance of success, go up or down, so you could see, oh, like, oh, I'm what I said, oh, that was the wrong thing to say, I'm gonna go down, mm-hmm. oh, I, I think I'm on the right path here, you know, I'm gonna keep pushing this angle. And so, I, I really, really like that instant feedback. And you know, Telltale games kind of do that too, you know, it tells you when people remember. Yeah. Things and stuff like that, but other times too, you'll make a choice and you'll f- totally forget about it, and it'll come back way back later to like bite you or like help yeah. you. and you know, someone will swoop in and oh, thanks for saving me. You know, at the beginning of the game, here I am to help you now. So, you know, it can like, totally wait, totally shape things up, um, which is really yeah,
1: cool. that's true. I saw one big cho- uh, choice game that I thought was really interesting, and this is a new game that's coming out here soon. It's called Vampire. I don't know if you've heard much about it yet, um, and. Vampire one of the coolest things about it is they were they just released something saying that if you kill an NPC, so you have basically free range to do whatever you want, you can kill anyone you want, regardless of story importance or not. So if you slaughter an NPC, that NPC is now gone. There's no like any (laughs) storyline for
0: NPCs.
1: (laughs) Like there's no storyline, any quests, storylines, gifts, Mm-hmm. stuff they could have done for you gone yeah. forever you have to re you, there's no checkpoints either so you have to restart the whole game to get that person back
0: that's crazy so i could totally like totally eliminate like potential storylines and endings and things like that based on what yeah yeah no
1: no or. npc immortality to protect the story huh. it's you know you might totally change the entire game By killing the wrong person.
0: Yeah, you know, and if if a game does it right, it's really cool because if you have other people playing that game, you can compare your experience with them, um, which is really neat. You know, there's the whole controversy at Mass Effect Three, where you had so many different decisions throughout the game, and that led to some really cool gameplay moments and organic moments throughout the game. When you, oh, you know, this character back from the first one who I saved, you know, came back and did this awesome thing and stuff. But you know, really, that game just phones you into one of three endings that. You know, we're all pretty similar, and so, you know, having those different moments where you can talk, okay, well, what did you do at this point? Or like, oh, how did you yeah. interact this? Or you know, the Telltale Batman game, you know, that we've we've all played and enjoyed. Like, oh, you know, did you play more as Batman or did you play more as Bruce Wayne? And you know, seeing how that yeah. that choice uh, was different and how that affected the way that you you know remember that the story is, I think, is really cool too. So yeah. So
1: final question this is obviously the most important question of this whole topic.
0: <laughs> what is your favorite game with choices? Um, I know I kind of already talked about Walking Dead uh, Season 1, but I'm going to go Walking Dead Season 2, um, which was the, you know, the direct follow-up. Clementine's you know, a little bit older. It's pretty much all new characters throughout Season 2. Um, and you actually play as Clementine, which was really cool. And I really enjoyed how they took this you know small npc character that followed around and you were protecting to you actually you know becoming her and seeing how she's evolved over the last couple years yeah and then you, you interact with everyone you remember everything that's happened before and then things that have happened in the first one will change the game for two and so like it imports your save over into the next one and you know there will be characters that will come back or not come back based on what you did in the previous game, which is, you know, something that is very hard to do and doesn't happen a lot. Like, you know, outside of, you no. know, really, I can think of maybe the Bioware games like that, that doesn't really happen um, very often. And so, you know, to see, yeah, you know, I won't say any spoilers for this one, but you know, there is a certain character from the first game, you know, you kind of assumed was dead or lost during MIA. And he kind of comes back in towards the end of the, the next game. And you have to make some really emotional investments and, um you have to make a choice of do i follow this person who i used to know and trust or do i not trust him anymore and i'm gonna you know go with my new friend who i made and so it really like pulls on you and makes you like go oh like do i go with what's comfortable and familiar or do i go with my gut and you know what seems like the right choice and um they do a really good job of weaving in you know multiple games into uh into a new story which is really neat
1: I remember making my making that decision. I don't remember what I made, but I remember being gut wrenched yeah. by my decision. <laughs> like just being like,
0: Oh yeah. yeah, no, and I felt I felt uh, I felt so sad for it. And I, I remember texting my brother who had just played it as well and we like talked about it for like days about like, oh like you should have done this. Oh, like, no, you should have totally done this. This was the right thing to do and you know, we yeah. both totally thought, you know, what our different choices that we made was the right choice, but Um, it totally let us have that freedom to to choose so pretty cool that's crazy
1: Um, for mine I would have to go with Bioware's Mass Effect series Um, I kind of went back and forth I really love the the original Dragon Age and Dragon Age Inquisition's shaping out to I've played part of it but it shapes out to be pretty good story wise and decisions but honestly Mass Effect 1 2 and 3 minus the ending to Mass Effect 3 (laughs) the finale yeah yeah but I feel like for a trilogy, they really nailed the the weighty decisions, the choices that really do matter in the story. You know, characters you know that maybe die in the first game never show up again. You know, there's mm-hmm. no like continu- er- continuation yeah. errors or like, anything your favorite like that. Character
0: like, throughout all three games could be a character I like. Literally, never had more than one conversation with because they died early on in the first game. Like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, the person that you choose to have a relationship with could be totally different for every game. Or, you know, you could yeah. stay consistent with one person for all three games or never do any relationships. Like, there was just so much freedom in all your choices, and they all had gravity to the story. Yeah. And the, Except and they, for, and they I felt mean felt
0: for the most part, too. Like, it, they didn't feel like forced. Like, they all were natural decisions you wanted and you were seeking out yeah. in the game. Yeah,
1: and that one didn't put you there were a lot of decisions you made that never felt like lose lose situations, but there were some lose lose situations that you had to go through and mm. figure out what what was best, you know, like obviously the first game there's a big decision where if you go and try and save this character, this other character will die, but if you
0: switch it, the other character will die. Yeah. And that's huge. Mm. Like and that affects the rest of the game and well, games. Even... Even the ending of Mass Effect 1, like based on how you've played and what choices you made and how you start the final boss battle with the main villain of the first game, you can literally defeat the boss with your words, with the choices you make and the dialogue you choose. And he, you can make him basically feel guilty and he just will end his life and boom, you defeat the final boss. Like The fact that they did that in the original Mass Effect, which came out, what, like 2008 or something? Like, yeah. So, so long ago. And it was... You know that was you can literally defeat the the final boss without firing a single bullet. Like that's well, and that the really the cool, cool thing about like all the games. So my favorite
1: one's probably number two. Yeah, um, I think here. that's a that's a favorite for a lot of people. Um, and the cool thing about number two is you could totally go through and really focus on the background characters and all these different things and do all these different decisions. And so the final you know mission, everybody survives. Mm-hmm. But or the you final mission is like
0: a suicide mission. So like. <laughs> It's not likely could, that that will happen,
1: you could really play your cues and you know you play play them all wrong and literally have everyone, including the main character Shepherd, die mm-hmm. like yeah. literally kill off every single one of your characters, <laughs> and you can actually do that in a couple of the games where you can have most of your characters be killed off by the end of the game,
0: yeah, no yeah that so was, that was really good. I remember being so frustrated because i had made made a bad choice earlier in the game that kind of screwed me over and no matter how I kind of put the puzzle pieces together there was always going to be like one person who was going to die in that final mission guaranteed and so (laughs) I kept retrying trying to get get everyone through but I I couldn't do it so it was yeah it was definitely this cool feeling of like wow like I you know I made a choice that was wrong and now I got to live with it type thing you know so yeah definitely pretty cool so all right well Definitely, let us know on Twitter at hey underscore games What is your favorite game um, that focuses around player choice? You know, we picked Mass Effect Two and uh, Walking Dead Season Two. Is there a, there a specific game that uh, comes out to you? And we'd love to uh, chat with you on that on uh, Twitter. Um, so we're going to jump into what we're playing. Um, kind of a segue, I guess, Rob. Let's just talk about Detroit in that demo. We've mentioned a little bit um, about it, but. I'm really interested in this game. Like, I thought that demo was really, really fun yeah. to play. It was, it was really neat. Um, the animations are incredible. Like, it looks so realistic and like really, mm-hmm. really neat. It totally gives me this Blade Runner type vibe, which I really like as well. <laughs> which is cool. I love how it has that Blade Runner
1: vibe while feeling grounded. Yeah, you know, like one totally. of the biggest things about uh, Blade Runner is that it is a futuristic setting that we you know tend to be like, wow, look at this you know dystopian yeah. future, but in Detroit becoming human it's only you know thirty years or forty years from now yeah totally. um, and so like you know I don't know if you notice this but one of the first things you do is you pick up the picture of the family mm-hmm. that's involved in the hostage situation and the parents are born in 1999 and 2001 yeah <laughs> and you go wait, a wait second. <laughs> like that means that oh these kids that are born you know that we're dealing with there in high school and you know, just into college, that's their age bracket. So, it, yeah. you know, it kind of it gives New a little future. bit of gravity to that, you know, and makes it seem re- realistic more so than, you know, maybe like Blade Runner or some other yeah, for sure. sci-fi type it, it, movie. It doesn't
0: feel like it's a crazy sci-fi game, but it is just far enough in the future where, you know, you do have like androids and stuff and it is a little bit different. But other than the fact that you're playing as an android, like you don't even really notice he acts totally like a human they're pretty much human characters it just adds this layer of complexity of you know humans versus androids and you know are they yeah. sentient ai beings do they have rights like you know what what it is so it just adds a lot of different moral questions into the game and that's i think why they went with androids it's not to make it crazy sci-fi like blade runner or something like that it just, uh,
1: no, it's just a
0: moral moral uh Themes to the story, which I think is really the morality of being human.
1: I think, you know, what does it mean to be human? I think is one which is why the games be called Become Human. (laughs) Yes, Um, but it's just crazy to see the animosity towards androids and stuff in the game. And that makes the gameplay, I mean, that's that's basically the main point of this demo is the animosity towards androids and androids feeling slighted and like slaves and that sort of thing and like mm-hmm. it's really cool to set up for this and i mean i guess to talk a little bit about the gameplay you're walking around you're analyzing clues and that sort of thing it's like and Batman based mode yeah based off of your clues it incorporates into the game the final ending of the story and how you, what interactions you, unlock, you have with yeah
0: options and things you can yeah say based so on what you've learned.
1: i unlocked all the endings um <laughs> you're crazy I think i I think I missed one thing that I couldn't quite figure out how to do.
0: How many endings were there in that one scenario? There were six? six. Okay, yeah. Most huh. of them, so there were several where your
1: main character dies. And I feel like we can share this because this is on the trailer. Yeah, and the gameplay demo. <laughs> it up, was the first either, time they
0: showed like two years ago with the like, hostage situation. But you situation,
1: can sacrifice so. yourself. There's one where you get shot. There's one where, um, you just basically watch them fall off the edge and then walk away like hmm. whatever. I I did that one. I did I did all of them but like it's kind of crazy like you're you feel like you're shaping the character of your android like to be like either this heartless yeah. or heartfelt or like self-sacrificial or all yeah. these things.
0: Yeah, and well, and, and to kind of move on here just real quickly, I just I want to say I think the most unique thing is is once you finish it it uh shows you basically a flow chart of all the options yeah. you made and all the different routes you could have gone and what ending, you know, all the different endings it could have possibly led to. And it immediately lets you say, hey, do you want to replay this encounter? Like, you want to see what happens if you do something differently? And so if that's something throughout the whole game where you can replay any encounter whenever you want, um, I think that would be really, really interesting to just kind of explore and be curious and be like, oh, like, what, I wonder what would happen if I do this other one. And would it would I like that any better or would I like this one? So I think that that feature is what makes it stand out and be really unique. It seems like it can totally promise on, you know, having meaningful decisions, which should be really cool to see. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. What else were you playing, Rob?
1: All right. So I, uh, been working through my seam library. So I finished playing broken age, Mm -hmm. which is by double fine. Um, it's like the interactive, like point and click type story. And, um, last week Mm -hmm. it's really good. Um, I really enjoyed the story, really enjoyed the characters and, it had a good ending and felt really good to get to it, and you nice. know, kind of leaves it, kind of leaves it in a spot where you could more than likely have a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. Not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it sets it up like, hey, we could actually There's go and explore these people's, people's stories yeah. more, which cool. was really cool for me. So I really enjoyed that game. I'd give it a thumbs up if you get a chance to play that one, give it a yeah. shot. Um, and then I'm playing another Double Fine game, Brutal Legend. <laughs>
0: um which Isn't is it a crazy jack yes, Black like guitar rock game or something it is <laughs> um i don't remember so where funny.
1: i picked i think i picked it up for like 50 cents or something like that not there too long go. ago so it was really cheap played about i don't know 30 minutes or 40 minutes of that you know brutal combat lots of funny jack black type yeah, moments ridiculous but happening. I'll have more to say about that as I play it more but yep, <laughs> I only have Brutal Legend and one more game in Bees. and then I'll the be out of B's e. right. dude, that's so, awesome at this rate, I, think I'm, I think I
0: might finish by 2040 <laughs> by, that, by then Detroit Become Human will be a real thing in our world, we will have androids who play games for you and they'll uh, make my dinner so I can play more games. <laughs> there you go uh for me I I uh played lots of Donkey Kong Country. Um you know I one of my goals this year been playing through um played through all the uh games from the Super Nintendo classics. So I uh went ahead and finished that game this weekend, um which was a lot of fun, you know. It's really cool cuz that you you get faked out in the final boss fight like you beat K Roll, and it goes like like kong credits and it like shows all like these different names with like weird k's and then all of a sudden the credits will like stop and it'll say the end with a question mark and then k will get back up and you use like a phase two of the boss battle and so um it was it's always really fun kind of seeing that that little part and there's fun little animations yeah. that are unique that you only see at the ending for the kong so i really really like game one of my you know all-time favorite platformers. Um, So I finished that game, and then um, I actually jumped into the Overwatch event. It's I know I'm late to the party; like it just ended. uh, I think yesterday the Overwatch Retribution event, but I gotta say this may be my favorite event that they have like done. Like they did an amazing job. There's a full in-game cinematic um, with you know the full 3D models and everything that plays before you do the mission, and then uh, they had created a whole new like huge map with lots of different unique encounters and like brand new like enemy types there's kind of like a crazy like tracer enemy that like zaps around and like hangs off of walls and will pounce on your enemy with like claws and will like start like attacking you and you'll be stunned and it's reminded me totally like left for dead like <laughs> when, oh wow you know, the hunter you know like pounces on someone you have to like shoot them off to like them oh yeah and you gotta you know group up together so it totally had felt like almost like playing the original left for dead where you're slowly making your way through this world with lots of you know smaller enemies but there's like bigger kind of you know boss enemies that are trickier to beat and you gotta you know use more strategies so you basically just get to the end and then you extract onto like a thing um you know a plane to get out of there but yeah i was really impressed there was really cool lore and story and cutscenes added in there lots of the voice lines and stuff was really neat and it was you know a cool free event got lots of new skins and stuff so yeah, I really nice. enjoyed that. I hadn't played Overwatch in forever and it made me kinda, you know, miss playing that game with a bunch of people. So if you're on a PS four and you want to play Overwatch, uh hit me up. I'd love to uh to get some games in. I've been uh been looking into getting that getting back in. So that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think that ends our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will leave you with the main menu thing from Star Fox 64 by Koji Kondo. Have a great week, everyone, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya.